in that moment, I wasn't enough to be in that room, um, that I wasn't old enough to be in that room, but I, I heard I wasn't enough. And so it started this, this trajectory for me, this path for me of trying to be enough and trying to fill that void and trying to make sense of what had happened to me, trying to make sense of who God was and how I could earn a spot. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I am here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. And today we are bringing you Libbo Crosswhite's story from Jackson, Mississippi. And she you'll hear that she was a part of a live gathering. And I think we may say this every week for a long time that we love hearing stories from <laughs> yes. live gatherings again. Uh, and you know, one thing about Libbo's story is it is a story that's going to speak to so many women. It is about trying to be enough. We all try to be enough as a mom and as a wife and as an employee. And then that translates into our spiritual walk as well. And so she reminds us that, you know what, we don't need to try to be enough, that God is enough for us. This is such a big topic for women that I'm so glad that you've done an audio devotion, Katie, over in our community on Patreon, which is patreon.com. You can also click the link in our show notes and join our community and you will get to hear Katie's devotion on the subject of worthiness and who we are in God's sight. Here's Libo. Well, I'm really excited to be here this morning. I kind of have to start with how God brought me quite literally in this chair for anyone that's familiar with the Enneagram, I am a tried and true seven. Um, usually, if you're, if you're not familiar, a seven is, I, I kind of like to describe it as the, the energy bus, but also kind of a hot mess express. Every, everybody has a probably a seven friend because it makes them feel better about kind of where they are. They're like, well, at least I've got it together comparatively. Um, and so one of our great strengths is that we have a lot of like vision and we're like, ooh, this would be great to start this or do this or really passionate about purpose, I think is one of the strengths of seven. But in kind of the the pendulum swing of that is that the follow through is not always there. Um, So the example that has brought me here today is that one night scrolling through Instagram, I thought, you know, I wish there was a place where there's this genuine connection of, of women just telling their stories. Right. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can start this. So I'm going to like look through, what would I call it? Uh, maybe uh, storytellers. That, that sounds great. So what do you do? You look it up on Instagram to like try to get the handle and, and, you know, I probably would just put it in an Amazon cart and never actually do anything with it. But sure enough, storytellers live Jackson. And I'm thinking, okay, that's another example of the Lord going before me. Um, that the Lord had put that on my heart, but that the Lord had already created it. And so I think it's such a powerful picture of what God is calling us to, which today I want to share my story in hopes of connection. Um, We live in a world that operates out of comparison. A lot of times we see it in our homes. We see it in our motherhood. We see it with high schoolers. Um, I'm a high school counselor, and so I see it all day long. But I I think what God is calling us to in our stories, in our pain, is connection, connection to each other, connection ultimately to Him. And so I'm excited to be here this morning. I kind of want to dive into... When I think about my story, I immediately think of John 9. I think of the encounter that Jesus has with a man that was born blind. And so maybe you've heard that story before. Um, If you haven't, I want to read just uh, a couple of verses of it because I think it's important for us uh, this morning as I share my story and what God has done. 
Uh, it says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And then his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I want to stop there for a second because I think that question that the disciples asked is essentially asking why. You know, why, why is this man born blind? And I think for me, my story for so long was that questioning of why. Um, from an early age, I experienced a lot of death, a lot of tragedy. Um, I lost my dad to uh, cancer at seven. Um, he lost his battle to glioblastoma for three years. I experienced the death of my grandfather. I experienced a kind of a tragic death of my cousin, all within a short period of time. And so there was this, this instance in which I was wondering, where is God? And this God that I hear about that is good, how do I see that evidence in my life? But what I've learned in this story is that we see transformation happen in the story. That because this man was born blind, that Jesus is actually encountering this man and not just healing this man, but this man has an experience with Jesus. Um, this idea of blindness to sight is essentially my story that he experienced Jesus that morning and that he needed Jesus that morning. Um, I assume it was morning, maybe it was night or afternoon. But I see, I think we see these contrasts in scripture from beginning to end, right? We see uh, naked and shamed and clothed in righteousness. We see blind to sight, slave to free, sick to healed, broken to whole, old to new, but ultimately we see death to life. And so my story was not just death, but my story in Jesus is actually life. And so um, I think that's what the death of Jesus has given us, right? Is that each of us in this room, our story, if we believe in the salvation that we are offered through Jesus, it's not about what's happened to us. Our story is actually what Jesus has done within us. Um, and so that, that's really where I want to speak today is that, you know, we as believers, as women, as broken people, that the world has kind of really put us through the ringer a lot of times. Um, you know, and it might not be as tragic as death. I like that Jill mentioned earlier. It's this, it doesn't have to be this huge grand tragedy in your life for you to need to be able to see Jesus and to be transformed from blind to, to seeing. Um, and so I think our confidence in our stories comes from not who we are or what we've experienced, but what Jesus has done in our life. I'm a millennial and I'm supposed to use technology, but I literally have notebook paper with scribbles on it because uh, that's, that's how Jesus has uh, wired me. Um, I'm actually, I'm a counselor at heart. And so um, I'm a high school counselor, have been for about six years now. And I love it. I love what I do. I think for a long time, for being uh, or being a counselor was something that God had called me to, whether I realized it or not. Um, and he used so many of my experiences as a child, so much of my questioning as a child for purpose in, in my role as counselor. Um, and, and only God could orchestrate the way in which I became a counselor. I went back to school after I had my son. Uh, I was working full time. I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and I was going back at night to get my master's um, in counseling. And only God can do that. Uh, that. That was not me being a superhuman. That was God, uh, his super sovereignty, and allowing that to happen. Um, and, and one night we learned in one of my classes about this uh, theory called the sandpaper effect. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's this idea that the things that are hardest for us 
are what shape and refine us. That in the same way that sandpaper is rough and, and it, it kind of prunes away at whatever you're working on, all you're trying to do is discover what was really already there, that beauty and that majesty of what was there. And I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit in that moment, as the professor was talking, brought me to the absolute moment for me that was my sandpaper effect. And that was the day that my dad died. Um, I was seven years old. My siblings were a good bit older than me. And so um, he had been in hospice for a while. He was actually at our home when he passed away. And I can remember vividly being in the driveway um, as, as my dad began to code and my mom went in there and my brother went in there and my sister went in there and my grandmother kind of pulled me back and she said, you're too young. You don't, you don't need to see this. And, and she, I know now that she had good intentions, but I think where I see that, that sandpaper effect, that moment for me was that in that moment, I wasn't enough to be in that room, um, that I wasn't old enough to be in that room, but I, I heard I wasn't enough. And so it started this, this trajectory for me, this path for me of trying to be enough and trying to fill that void and trying to make sense of what had happened to me, trying to make sense of who God was and how I could earn a spot to be in that room as my dad took his last breath. And um, so for me, my, my drug of choice was the, the addiction to perfection and achievement and trying to be enough and do enough. And, and I say drug of choice because I think what we don't realize as, as people, as humans, is that we all have this sort of addiction or this stronghold. And I can, I can sit here and tell you that mine's a little more culturally acceptable, right? That it's okay to say, yeah, I'm a people pleaser and I'm a perfectionist and we're okay to step out in that confidence. But in the same way that a drug of choice may be alcohol or drugs or whatever that looks like, it's all at the root of who we are trying to be enough and trying to fill that void. And so I really, as a, as a mental health counselor, as a counselor, I think we need to remove that stigma of saying that, you know, I can't really tell my story because people would be like, wow, that really, that happened to her? Like that, that's, that's too much to know. Um, and so I wanna, I wanna give freedom in that today that whatever you're running towards, um, is still you running away from God and running away for the plan that he has for you. And so, um, you know, I, I'll be honest for you. I think that if I had done this this time last year, my story would have looked different and been different um, because I have, I have really spent the last year kind of pruning my own life and God has really pruned me in a, in a unique and special way um, because I, I'm pretty much a high capacity person. I, I like to fill in my time and do a lot of things and be a lot of places. Um, but I got to a point last year where my high capacity turned into max capacity. And I got really humbled really quick because I realized that here I was promoting mental health for my high schoolers and my teachers and the people around me, and I was drowning and I needed help. And so it brought me to this low place um, where I realized that I had to seek biblical counseling. I needed help. And so I like to say that uh, my counselor, I have to kind of give her a, a shout out, Dia Dean is fabulous. She's my best friend that I've ever paid for. Um, and I will tell you that it really and truly brought me to this new place. Psalm 18, 19, David writes that 
that God brought him into this spacious place and that he rescued and delighted in him. And for me, that's what counseling did. It brought my mind into this spacious place that I, I could actually begin to see who I was again in Christ. Um, and so I, it allowed me to really remind myself of my story that I was once blind, but now I see. I just, I can't say enough about how great it was to have that space to, to really begin to deal with my own pain. Because for a long time, I was holding others' pain so that I could avoid my own. And that's where I found myself, trying to constantly fix others because I didn't want to deal with my own pain and my own just inability to truly fully understand, I think, what God's plan was for me in my life. What I realized in that is that in, when, when David writes that Jesus rescues us and delights in us, he actually uses the past tense. He said rescued and delighted, that Jesus didn't rescue this perfected, polished counselor that had kids and was trying her best to make everything work. Jesus rescued that little girl that was trying to get into that room that was so confused of why she wasn't enough. That's who Jesus rescued. Um, and I think, man, that is a powerful story for us to hear this morning, um, that we are enough, not because of what we've done, not because what we haven't done, but because Jesus delights in us um, and God made a way for us to be rescued. You know, Paul writes in Corinthians that it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. Um, Paul, Paul says it, but I think we should too, that by the grace of God, I am what I am, but it's not without effect. That there is this effect in our life because of Jesus's rescue story. Um, and I think for us, it's our everyday life. We don't have to be mic'd up. We don't have to be on a stage. We don't have to be what this world tells us, that we've got to have this influence and we've got to have enough people listening to us. We can tell our stories in, the, in our homes. We can tell our stories in intimate settings like we're doing today. I think that's what God is calling us to, that there is hope and confidence and, and most importantly, I think this established value that Jesus has already given me. You know, I fought the urge this morning in my, in my nerves to, to worry, like, I hope this is good enough. You know, I hope, I don't know who's going to be listening to this. I hope, I hope they like it. You know, I, I wanted to stop that message and say, hey, Jesus has already rescued me. Jesus already delights in me, even if none of you in here delight in me. That's okay. Um, and I have to speak that truth into my life um, often because I think Satan's stronghold, stronghold on us is twofold. I think Satan's works most in people in silence, that we, we can't tell our stories. Nobody, nobody cares. I don't have enough to, to tell. I don't have enough to be, quote unquote, a good story. So I'm just going to hold it. I'm just going to hold it in and I'm going to hold it in that silence um, that ours isn't enough, essentially, is where our, um, our story is not enough. But then I also think he holds uh, us in silence in our struggles, that somehow it's too much, right? That people wouldn't understand. For so long, it was, it was such a point of shame for me in this last year that here I was, a counselor seeing a counselor. And it's insanity when I say it now because it makes total sense. Of course a counselor would need to go see a counselor, right? If they're gonna be effective and practice quite literally what they preach, they absolutely need to see a counselor. But I think Satan allowed that stronghold for me to say, you can't be weak right? You can't allow people to see you struggle. 
And what Jesus has taught me is, no, that's actually the point. Um, because I want to go back to the man born blind for a second. We see that Jesus answers the disciples very clearly. He reminds the disciples that the grace of God was going to be displayed through the works of God. And so this man being born blind wasn't just this random happenstance chance. This man being born blind taught others about God's power in Jesus' healing. Um, And I think that is such a radical picture of the Holy Spirit. You know, I deal, I get to have conversations a lot with students on making decisions. In, In senior year, right, especially this time of year, some of our people know exactly where they're headed. And some people are absolutely terrified for this next phase of life. And I think all of us have probably been in a place in our moment where we in our life where we have this decision to make, right? And we pray so fervently, God, please help me make the right decision. Please help me make the right decision. As if our prayers are convincing God of what to do. And uh, one of the things that I've really been challenged with, with the idea of this Holy Spirit, is that if I'm really going to counsel well in, in my high school ministry, in life, I want to teach people how to pray, that our prayers would look like, Lord, you are good and you have already made the decision. Help me be confident in that. And so there's this this freedom and this release that we get when we begin to pray, hey, Lord, not help me make the right decision. Hey, but Lord, let me live in the decision you've already made for me. Let me live confidently that you've got it and that your story is still going to be written and because it's already been written in my life. And so it has allowed me kind of this mindset shift of what we are here to do. We are not here to compare. We are not here to impress. We are not here to do anything other than tell people, I once was blind, but now I see because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us through Jesus. My daughter often asks me, I don't know why this is her question, but she's like, Mom, do you, uh, do you think that I've met the person I'm going to marry? I'm like, babe, I have, I have no idea. I think that's awesome. I, I, I don't know why at eight years old you're already worried about that, and that's probably another, <laughs> another conversation we need to have. Um, but it's been such a cool picture for me to be able to say, you know what? The great news is, is God's already got that figured out. And I think maybe somebody needs to hear that this morning, that our prayers can be confident in knowing that, God's already written our story and he is challenging us and actually equipping us and encouraging us to step out and tell it. And maybe it's telling it to our own children in our home. Maybe it's telling it to a group like this, but ultimately it is to to use the power of God in you to work through you. Um, And so as I wrap up, you know, I think counselors love to talk about their inner child. I think that's what some people uh, are afraid to go to counseling. They're like, I don't want to talk about my inner child. Um, But I think it's really not about the inner child as much as it's about the core of who you are. At the very, very core of your soul, that's what Jesus has rescued. For me, it's that moment in the driveway of being held back by the world, trying to be enough in that room. Um, For you, it may be something else, but I want to remind you that Jesus quite literally physically pulls Peter out of the water when he's drowning. Um, We see that story in all four Gospels. And I think what Jesus is trying to tell us is that we don't have to get to a place of being in the boat before we can get rescued. We can be in a place of drowning and Jesus will quite literally meet us there. Um, But it takes us putting our hand out and saying, hey, Lord, we need you. We need to be rescued. 
Um, and so that, that's my story. Um, I hope that there's something in that that you can take away. Um, and, you know, I think when we look at the man born blind, I kind of want to end with this. Um, you know, skeptics ask him a lot of questions when he goes back and he can see. They want to know, you know, how this happened, where, where his parents were. They ask his parents, did you know? There was a lot of skeptic. There was a lot of just cynicism of mm, something, something's not right here. It couldn't truly be that you experienced Jesus, that Jesus healed you. And I love his response. I think as humans, we need to hear this. He literally says, I don't know. But what I do know is that I once was blind and now I see. Don't think that your story can't be told until you have all the right answers. Don't think that your story can't be told until you're an expert in theology or scripture. Know that your story, be confident in your story that you have seen the evidence of the goodness of God because your eyes have been opened to the majesty of God. Not just blind to, to sight, but I think ultimately death to life. So my story that was started in death has brought me life only through Jesus. And I would challenge you with this. There's someone that needs to hear your story. Don't allow the enemy to have this stronghold of silence in your struggles, to have silence in your, the power of Jesus. Tell your story because your story not just matters, but your story ultimately points to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God created us, that sin separated us. Jesus has rescued us. And our response is to live in the confidence of the story that God has written for us. I hope that you were encouraged, but I'm also reminding myself that even if you weren't, Jesus is still enough for me. I don't know if you noticed, but Libba's story could be an ad for storytellers. <laughs> I mean, honestly, she just talked in her story about the heart behind what mm -hmm. we do. The importance of sharing our story, the importance of encouraging others. And then in there, I mean, really trying to be enough. We've used it in the title. Mm -hmm. We talked about it in the beginning. But if it is not something we all struggle with I know. in a different, everybody's looks different, where are we trying to be enough? That's right. You know, I think sometimes, too, we hear over and over again that God says you're enough, but we just don't believe it. I mm -hmm. mean, that was one of the reasons okay. why I wanted to do an audio devotion on it was because why don't we believe that? And, you know, I really could relate to one of the things that she said in her story was just this concept of feeling like you have to earn a spot mm -hmm. in God's favor. I, I sat in that my teen years, my 20s. I thought, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I've got to earn this. And it was so freeing for me in my 30s when I figured out that, you know what, I don't have to earn it because Christ earned it for me. I'm covered in his blood. And because of that, I'm worthy and I am enough. Yeah. I know I say a lot uh, that I love a lot of storytellers, but I really do love Libbo <laughs> because she's a seven. And, and she said that she's a hot mess express. And y'all know how many times I come in here as, as that. Um, so I, I relate to Libbo. But also, it kind of stopped me in my tracks when she said, whatever you run towards means you're running away from God. Yeah. And I was like, wow, yeah. what am I mm -hmm. running toward? It really caused me to stop and think about that. And then when she mm -hmm. equated the perfectionism, which I personally don't don't struggle with, but I do struggle with worthiness. Mm -hmm, right. Equating that to addiction, because if you study addiction, it's something that's ruminating in your mind. You're mm -hmm. always thinking about it. And so I found myself going, am I always thinking, am I enough? Mm -hmm. Am I worthy? Mm -hmm. Am I 
you know, am I worthy to receive whatever, fill in the blank. You know, Lindy, you talking about, you know, if you're not running towards Jesus, you're running towards something else. I can even equate that to trying to accomplish things Mm -hmm. for God. And I'm running towards that instead of delighting in Jesus. She spoke a little bit about that. Um, Just recently, it was pointed out to me, Katie, are you treating God as an assignment Mm -hmm. or are you delighting in Him? And I had to stop myself in my tracks Mm -hmm. and think, oh my gosh, a lot of times I'm treating him as an assignment. I want to get this Bible study done. I want to, you know, oh, I've got to get my quiet time done. And it's an assignment and I'm not sitting and delighting in him and running towards him. That was really good. Yeah. And I I had the exact same thought of, we just want to encourage you today. If you find yourself here, if you find yourself in the spot of feeling like you have to be good enough for God, all been there at Mm -hmm. some point. And I think it is so easy to miss him in searching for being good enough. And so we just want to encourage you today to sit and take five minutes and ask the Lord, just sit with the Lord in in silence, in quiet. It's hard because my mind races, (laughs) but I encourage you to do that, to just sit and enjoy him and let him enjoy you without feeling like you, you have to meet a checklist. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope that you are really encouraged by Libo's story. If you are, let us know. We love to get your feedback. We love the emails. You can email us at info at storytellerslive.org. You can go to our website, storytellerslive.org, and fill out the form on there that gives us feedback. You can find us on social media at Storytellers Live Podcast. We just love to hear how God uses these stories in your life. So thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.